Mizzou is the topic today on Sports BKC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast presented by Big O Tires. It's Tuesday, February 25th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Tigers have looked better over the past few weeks and could be playing their way into postseason consideration. We talk about this and several other topics with Missouri beat writer Sawishi Tarada and star columnist Vahe Gregorian. A note, after the break, we fumble around with the name. I, I want to apologize for not being better prepared to pronounce Connor Bazelak correctly when we originally recorded the episode. At any rate, here we go with Suichi and Vahe. Vahe and Suichi are here. Feels good. It's great to have you, my friend. Yeah. It really is. To get you in the studio <laughs> is... Well, an honor above all, but... Um, oh, that's a lot of pressure. You know the expression, you always leave us wanting more, because we just don't see you enough. <laughs> it has nothing to do with whether we really enjoy you, it's just yeah, we don't yeah, see you yeah, enough. Yeah. First time this year in 2020 I've been in the newsroom. How about that? Um, it just so happened that there was barbecue here, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> what a coincidence. It was barbecue day here at the uh, <laughs> Star. It was funny it walking happens. in today, seeing all these people in here. I was like, what, what, what is going on? A guy comes in from Columbia, another guy from Lawrence. Huh. I love the confidence with which Suichi came into the studio today. You and I lugged our laptops in here just to, uh, just to be sure of ourselves on some of these, you know, some of these topics. We're, we're talking Missouri and, uh, and the Tigers, but Suichi, the Mizzou beat guy, just, just saunters in here and says... I don't need no stinking laptop. No, he's just spiking the ball. We don't even have a ball, he's spiking it. <laughs> the thing that I also want to make clear is that I, I did come in here. I think we like to take the, our audience behind the scenes with us. I also brought my computer in because I can't make the S key work. <laughs> so Blair and Suichi were kind enough to help me come up with words that didn't involve S to ask our um, help desk to come visit. Right, and, um, and if you had to type his name, it'd be Uichi. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, the elephant in the room, but don't you enjoy being able to say names like Soichi and Vahe all, all at once? Who gets to do that? Nobody. Nobody yeah. does. No. Just, you yeah, know, just vowels all over the place. It's just that, scattered all over yeah, the table yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just Blair's a real common name. <laughs> I didn't mean to demean you with that. <laughs> uh, well... Uh, you want to pick up your keys, Suichi? That would be real <laughs> <laughs> Um So we, we uh, kind of impressed with what Missouri basketball has been doing here the last couple of weeks. I was so encouraged by how uh, they were playing heading into the weekend. I, I really kind of liked their chances at Arkansas. And they got off to such a great start. What yeah. happened down there? <laughs> yeah, they got off to a 13-point start. Uh, 10 minutes, pretty much 10 minutes into the game, they're up 13. And then they go scoreless for five minutes. And then next thing you know, Arkansas has a lead at halftime. I think the weird thing with those two teams, and they play every year because... Twice um, a year. Yeah, twice a year, um, just because of the way SEC scheduling works. Um, I mean, they split every game pretty much uh, for however many years. I haven't been here that long, but I know that much. Um, yeah, I mean... If you're looking at it for the rest of the season, I think that was a very droppable game, realistically. The other four games are very winnable as well, but Arkansas on the road, five-game losing streak, they were probably a little desperate. NCAA tournament hopes took a big shot, so I think you just kind of tip your hat to them, especially when you make three straight threes to end the game. And yeah. I mean, Mizzou got it down to two points, then Arkansas hits back-to-back threes. They got it back down to three again with a minute left. Arkansas hits another three, so it's just one of those teams or games where teams shoot 48%, 12 for 25 from three, and you just kind of be like, okay, 
let's let's go to the next one now that one is just, everything is against you and he just kind of accepted and i think fans kind of accepted that as well they weren't as mad as i anticipated them being uh, compared to earlier in the season yeah so this is your first year covering covering uh, mizzou and um your your first experience covering uh, a team whose fan base is oh can, can get emotional can get, <laughs> oh, as as can all fan bases yeah yeah, yeah. But I think Mizzou's maybe a little more kind of success-starved um, than some others uh, in, in, in the SEC, for sure. For sure. And look, Blair's made – you've made this point. In fact, I think you made it um, maybe to one of your, our last visits to the Tiger Club um, that few, if any, fan bases need a national championship like the Missouri fan base, which has two to fall back on, and, and both are more than 50 years ago. and. In non-revenue sports, in, basically. Yeah, in non-revenue sports. I mean, and, you know, Norm Stewart, I think I've used this line before, but twirling a 13-hitter in the College World Series to to put away... Uh, Was it Rollins? Loris Rollins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then an indoor track thing. So um, I think that's what you walk into from your, you know, Michigan State background. Um, and it's quite yeah. a contrast. And, I, and I'm sure it is a real contrast. I think I've seen you make some references to just... You know the attendance, for instance. Yeah, I mean, not not to take away from Mizzou fans because they've had a couple showings the past few weeks. But I mean, going from the Breslin Center, sitting you know among their student section that kind of spans the court and everything, the Mizzou Arena, where you know I'm not once again I don't want to knock Mizzou fans just because yeah you know if you're playing a Wofford on a you know a weekday night, only so many fans are going to come out to that. But at the same time, you know, it's just. It's, it's weird going from, you know, my senior year last year, they made a Final Four. Mizzou has never made a Final Four. So yeah. it, it, putting context behind it, I think, like Blair mentioned, you really do want to see Mizzou have some success just because that fan base, after all these years, kind of deserves one, right? Just because, no, you know. absolutely. I don't – yeah, I, I think no fan base deserves one more than Missouri. Yeah. And deserve may not be the right word. You, but would enjoy it and revel in it. Yeah. yeah. Some – that fan base needs to wear T-shirts, you know, that, that say Final Four, college yeah. football playoff champion, and they, they've they never gotten to do that. Yeah. It's kind of like the Chiefs, right? The whole winning the Super Bowl kind of thing. Absolutely. How much Chiefs fans are kind of enjoying it yeah. right now. So. It is funny. I mean, you, you look just in the last five, six, seven years, right, the Royals after 30 years winning one and the Chiefs after 50 winning one, and oh, wow. that leaves in our area, really, I mean, Missouri, K-State at least has tasted it before, um, but... Uh, Missouri's not even tasted it. Um, and, well, and I thought, well, go ahead, Blair. Well, sorry. I was going to say, um, if, yeah, if we're going to, if we're going to, you know, just uh, condense it to the teams that we cover on a on a regular basis, Kansas State hasn't won a national championship in any sport. We talk about Missouri's two. K State doesn't have one. They don't have an NCAA championship, but they have had the Bill Snyder era of sustained success, yeah. which was terrific. And how many Final Fours? Three? And have been to four Final four Fours. Final fours. Yeah. Not one since 1964, <clears throat> but they've got banners in Bramwich Coliseum that that not suggest, but define Final <laughs> Four, you know, yeah. appearances. Yeah. So they do have that. You know, there there is that there. Um, and within a game or two, several times, a plane for a national championship yeah. in football. Yeah, that, that's in, right. In, in, in modern in, times. And Missouri has been in the Elite Eight in our, you know, uh, since we've been yeah. sports writers, a couple, few times. And a couple games for Missouri, also a, yep. a game away from playing for a national championship. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's, but I do, I'm old enough, I'm this many years old, is that what you kids say now? <laughs> I'm this many years old, actually that's the wrong way to use it. I'm old enough to remember 
when the way into Manhattan was National Debate Championship, not the Bill Snyder Highway. Yeah, that's right. National um, Debate That was champions. for many years National Debate Champions. Yeah. I guess yeah. it's not NCAA sport, right? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so against all that, I, I, it's, it's been fun actually to talk to you about this, Suichi, because Vahe's covered Missouri for three decades, and I've lived here for as long and followed Mizzou, and we, you know, they're, they're – they're a team we cover. They're a team. It's a school and an athletic program that we cover. That we it's important enough to cover on a daily basis. Um, and look, I I'll be the first to admit that yes, we are the impartial journalists here. We pull for the story. But as we found out in not found out, we rediscovered in the Chiefs victory and the Royals five years ago, winning's good for business. <laughs> it's not a bad thing to have the teams that you cover win and win on a pretty large scale. Um, so, hell, I was pulling for Missouri in the 13 and 14 SEC championship games. I would love to have seen that 13 Missouri team, you know, play for the national championship. Well, it's, it's tremendously exciting. And, and one thing that. Or 07. That, maybe the 07 team would be more accurate. The yeah. 13 team wouldn't have. I don't know if it would have played for the I'm championship. I'm trying to remember if 13 or 14 would have. Well, one I don't know if either have. one of. I, I don't, Missouri had, I think, two losses going into that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. There were some X factors still yeah. at play. It could have. But 07 yeah. for sure yeah. if they'd beaten Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game down in San yeah. Antonio. One thing, though, I, I really did notice this, and this is where this whole, all these worlds merge together, I think, oh. is. In, like, I discovered it particularly with the Royals. I mean, you become like almost in the bloodstream of the whole thing when you're covering something that, that is that intoxicating, sometimes literally, to, <laughs> to fans, right? I mean, it's, you know, you're a conduit for it, and you, you kind of feel, uh, you feel the story in a different way because it's of such excitement to the community. And I, I'm sure we felt that way with the Chiefs. I, I know we'd feel that way with Missouri. We felt that way covering KU events, and you, you feel the, the, the way the fan feels to some degree. I mean, because you're sort of in the thick of it. So it, it's no, no doubt it's a, it's a, it'd be a cool feeling to see one of these things shake loose. And what I can't figure out, by the way, and we're, we're kind of going full circle here, but I really thought this Missouri team had some parts. I still think it has parts. But you're far, you, both you guys are far better equipped. You've seen them a bunch more than I've watched recently. Um, what, why aren't those parts gelling the way we, we might have thought they could? Yeah, I think the thing you have to point out, and I don't think this is an excuse by any means, but just the injuries. I mean, when you lose a Jeremiah Tillman, and going into the year, Conzo spoke so much about Jeremiah and how he's going to be such a big part of the game plan, and you lose that, and then you lose a Mark Smith, who's your best shooter, on, on a very bad shooting team. It's just Those are just so many moving parts. And I mean, when you when you point at parts, I think you talk about those two. Maybe Drew Smith, um, who's been playing great, uh, and then you look at Xavier Pinson and a few other you know kind of role players on the team. But yeah, I mean, just the injuries, and this is such a big thing for Mizzou. I know ever since Kazu's been here. I mean, when you look at the Porter brothers, yeah, they went through, and then you look at Jeremiah. I mean, those are pretty much your best players. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe it's more arguable this year, but the last two years before this one, I mean, when you lose your best player and just so much of your offense changes, like, you need a little bit more time to just gel as a team, I think. And then at this point in this year, like, and the players say this a lot, like, you're not really going through hard, extensive practice just because you're so tired. You, you mostly go through X's and O's. It's maybe like a walkthrough in football. Those are the kind of the practices you go through. And when you lose those two, it's just – it takes longer to maybe gel or maybe – work those kinks out, especially on offense. And we, we've seen how bad this Mizzou team can be on offense, just how 
unwatchable basketball can be at times. So I, I think those are the injuries. I mean, you have to take those into account um, yeah. when you're when you're speaking about Mizzou this year. Are they really shooting 30 percent <laughs> on threes? Forty-one. Yes. Now listen, they're they're shooting forty-one point three from the field and thirty point six from three. Now. They're holding opponents to less than that, which is mm-hmm. amazing, actually. Um, 20, 29.4 threes for opponents. Um, but I, I guess I expected a little bit smoother operating offensive team yeah, yeah. for Mizzou this year. Yeah, and I, you, you look at the last two years, and Mizzou was actually a good shooting team the last two years. It was, from um, deep. Yeah, and I think they were 36.4% around there last year. I don't have... As we mentioned, I don't have my laptop right in front of me. Um, but <laughs> like the fossils do surrounding me. Yeah, but you're just saying. Yeah. Okay, boomer. <laughs> I didn't say a play then. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they were, they were, the last two years, they were two good shooting teams, and they've taken such a fall this year. I mean, Mark is your best shooter, but even he's not having, you know, maybe the best year at shooting threes. And realistically, Drew Smith is probably one of your better three point shooters, but the sample size is so small, you can't really do too much. And then the guys who are shooting the most, I mean, I'm talking about the Xavier Pinson's, the Mitchell Smith's, the Torrance Watson's, they're not, they don't have good percentages either. And I, a little bit of it, too, I think, is that defenses want them to shoot the threes. Um, I remember specifically the West Virginia game, they missed their first tower of many threes. And that was just, and they were all wide open. It's just that West Virginia schemed them, those specific players, to be open. So I think it's a little bit of, you know, it's a little bit of chicken and egg in that. Are they bad three-point shooters? Is everyone a bad three-point shooter? Or, or is the three bad three-point shooters actually shooting the most? So that's that's probably a big part of their offense. Of just And then, obviously, once you can't shoot threes, they can pack the paint. All these other things kind of trickle down from that. So that's that's probably, when you, when you look at the offense and how bad they've been, you, you point at that three-point shooting just because it changes so much of what you do. I think also the, Tillman's played less than half of the season, so 13 of the 27 games. And when you can't play inside out, you yeah. know, yeah. You, you, you get the ball into Tillman, he could, you know, try to score or maybe attract a double team and be able yeah. to kick out to an open shooter. Reed Nico has had a terrific year, yeah. terrific season, yeah. but not the same kind of player that Jeremiah Tillman is. Yeah, and, and the thing is, Mizzou still feeds Reed as, every now and then, but it's not nearly as much frequency as Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, I think the big thing, too, and I noticed this in the 12 minutes he played against Texas a there were two times Texas A&M just threw double teams at him the moment he touched the ball, and I was like, whoa, this guy hasn't played in a month. You know, he's not as in shape as he probably wants to be, and, you're st- and you still respect that. And I think fans were a little worried, I think, on Twitter. They were like, oh, how's the chemistry going to look with Jeremiah back? What, what, what are we looking at here? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, Jeremiah's still one of your best players. Like, even having him on the floor for 10, 15 minutes changes the game just because of what he's able to do. And so, I, and, and once again, not having him... Um, it really affects that offense. Another thing, too, is I keep going back to that three-point shooting, but when you're shooting so poorly, it, it affects Jeremiah, too, because teams aren't afraid to throw that double team. Right. If you're going to help off you know, Torrance Watson or Mitchell Smith, yeah, go for it. Let them shoot wide-open threes when they're shooting sub-30. So I think that's why fans are maybe a little sour on him, but you know, if, if you can shoot even you know, 35%, it, it really helps the whole team out, especially Jeremiah, I think giving him a little bit more space to operate down in the post. So Tillman could have played against Arkansas. Yeah, so he was available, but Conzo after the game said between, you know, not 
practicing and in shape and going up and down the floor, he kept them out for that reason. So we're thinking Wednesday at Vandy, we might see him on the floor? Yeah, he'll probably be on a minutes restriction again. Um, he was on about a 10-minute restriction for the Aggies. He played a little bit over because of foul trouble, but they'll probably ease him back into it. And it is pretty late in the season. There's only four regular season games left. So it, it, I, I'm, no one's really sure how much we're going to see of him, especially if he doesn't play Wednesday against Vanderbilt. How, what would it take? To, I'm trying to remember the structure of the SEC tournament. It, there's a double buy situation, right? Yeah. So top four gets a double buy. That's yes. the best. Top four get a double buy. And then ten through four, and then um, five the through ten gets plays in that uh, single buy and doesn't play on that Wednesday. And eleven through fourteen plays on that Wednesday, which is probably one of the more depressing days in college basketball. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Mizzou currently. Tied with Arkansas, they do have the tiebreaker though, so they're tenth. So missing missing that Wednesday is going to be huge for you. whatever they want to do the rest of the year. Missing that Wednesday is going to be one of the top priorities down the stretch here. Is Vandy's one in thirteen in conference play? <laughs> the one win against LSU, so good win. <laughs> yeah, great one for them uh, to snap a long SEC losing streak for them. So if you're Missouri, I'm sure the numbers bear this out. You can't. There's no scenario where you could get a double buy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's- but they got a reasonable chance to protect the single bye. Yeah. And be playing on only the second most depressing day of, of, of the <laughs> Well, those days are more fun because more teams are playing. Right. You got some quality teams in there, and then the other conference tournaments are also playing. So it's, that's one of the <laughs> one of the premier days, I think. Thursday and Friday so before just, Selection yeah, Sunday is yeah. always a good time. You're competing with the Big South Championship <laughs> semifinals. On, on You're right. Day. It echoes in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's, let's take a break here, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk with – Vahe Gregorian and Suichi Tirada. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Suichi Tirada, the Mizzou beat guy for the Kansas City Star, and columnist Vahe Gregorian are here. We're talking Missouri. Um, Suichi, we were talking basketball before the break. Let's keep it on hoops just for a second and kind of size up Missouri's postseason opportunities. What's out there for the Tigers? You know, Anything, let's say, short of getting to the SEC championship. If they win it, they're, <laughs> they're the SEC's automatic bid into the NCAA, but – and even if they get to the title game, you think they've beaten enough good teams to maybe get yeah. that large. But let's let's say anything short of that. Yeah, so a lot of fans just – their eyes lit up, right? In the moment you said postseason, they're probably thinking, oh, yeah, nah, what are we talking about here? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but, yeah, uh, NCAA tournament is probably out of the works, even if you went out. Obviously, went out in the SEC tournament, you're in no matter what. But if you went out the last four, you're not facing very many good teams. You have a couple good wins, but just – between the net, quadrant round wins, all that things, that's probably off the table. If we're talking NIT, though, that gets a little more interesting just because you're 5-9. and nine. If you finish 3-1, and one, which I think is very doable, 
you know, you have two home games, which you've been pretty good at, five and two this year, and you, you have Vanderbilt on the road. So let's call them all out here. Yeah. If, uh, so four games left, yeah. starting with Vanderbilt on Wednesday, yep. uh, Mississippi State on in, in Columbia yeah. on Saturday, and then a week of at Ole Miss on that Wednesday, and then Alabama at home to yep. finish the regular season. Yep. And one quick side note, I think that Wednesday game helps us so much just because you get an extra day between rest. And Consul's mentioned this, but having that day off on Sunday is so big because they just played seven weeks without having a day off. So I think Sunday, like, the team probably took a day off and they're probably feeling very rejuvenated right now. Just a quick side note. Um, yeah, so those four games, I think if you go 3-1, and one, you finish 8-10, eight and, eight and um, you'll, you'll be a game above 500 going into SEC tournament. So if you... Go one on one there when you're, you know, second round game, which is that Thursday. Lose on Friday, you're probably looking at an NIT berth. Um, Arkansas last year was 18 and 16, and they were 8 and 10 in the SEC, and they got the five seed in the NIT. So that's probably right around where Mizzou wants to be. Uh, maybe a five or six seed. They're not hosting a game in the NIT. It's nowhere where you expected to be before the season. But hey, you're salvaging something after what I, what was a three and seven start. So I, th- I think that that means a lot. But NCAA tournament, I think that's that's probably out, <laughs> unless unless you win it. But NIT, you're looking pretty good at. I think that's a realistic shot for this team. And I think after such a horrible January, that I think that would mean a lot for not just the fan base, but this team, because so many of them are coming back. Besides Reed and Eagle, this whole team is eligible to come back. Um, so that, I, I think that means a lot to, to well, this program. Well, one thing it would mean is they didn't give up on the season. And they yeah, didn't right. Win. Right, and, and we're, when we've seen what they're playing the last couple of weeks, that they've they've improved. But what would it mean to Conzo Martin to get back to postseason play? It was in the NCAA tournament his first year. Yeah, you know, had the bottom out year last season when they were five and thirteen in league play. I think it becomes a little rallying point, at least, right? I mean, you you, you get rewards. Maybe it is a reward, right? It still is, even if it's NIT. And I think also you think of it as as a baseline for further development. You know, you get a, a chance to get a few more games in. Maybe, maybe you have a breakthrough, maybe you win a couple. Um, it, it, what is interesting, and, and I have no feel for this at all, is with all these guys able to come back, uh, how many will, how many like being there? How many, how many are, you know, don't really have a reason to have an eye on, on going anywhere else yet, et cetera? Yeah. It'd be very interesting, it will be very interesting to see what comes out of the season in the, the few weeks and months after, because um, I think that'll be a little bit of a testament to where the program stands. Yeah, and I, when you when you speak, maybe leaving early, that's Jeremiah Tillman, right? All right. The room. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard anything. I don't think anyone's really heard anything on his pro prospects. Um, Jeremiah and I actually sat down for about 45 minutes before the season, um, and we, we spoke about a lot of things. But the thing that kind of struck me about our conversation then was that he really has an eye for the NBA. And I floated over the idea of overseas you know making six figures good living you know living in europe living it up in italy wherever you are but he he really has that eye on the nba um and talking to a few scouts i don't think it's there conceivably especially after this season's very lost season due to injuries and all that kind of stuff um so uh, i don't want to say he will be back and i don't want to say he'll be gone i think that's really up to him but other factors to consider. I mean, he has a young son. I believe he's around three, four years old. So, and he's from East St. Louis, and he, he straight up told me he wants to provide for his family going forward. So, I think that also has a plan to consideration. I mean, that is another you know year where you could be making money. You know, within the states, whether whether it's G League, maybe the NBA, though doubtful, or overseas. So that that's that's kind of the big thing. Um, but as of right now, I don't think anyone's heard anything. I don't even think Jeremiah knows yet. Um, so yeah. that's that's kind of where they stand. And what about along the lines of? I mean, there's probably no way to sense this either. But everybody will stay. 
I mean, yeah. you think it, guys, do you think it, maybe there'll be a typical postseason reassembling? But yeah. I mean, do you, you, you have a sense that, that that guys are happy there? Yeah, I think one guy. I, I, in terms of the attrition, I think everyone should be definitely pretty happy. I think one fan, one player fans are kind of curious about is Trey Jackson because he's shown some things. Detroit native, by the way. I just got it. We we spoke about it. We we kind of grew up near each other. Um, just <laughs> so I'm a little just bit. Put it out there. Just put it out there. We 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 had our moment. Game goes game. Is that the expression? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Trey's had inconsistent minutes, so a lot of fans are kind of like, is he mad or anything? By all indications, except for Conzo, Trey, you know, a few other teammates. It seems like Trey is a very coachable kid, and he, he and he's kind of embraced the the this is you know it might suck for me right now, but it's going to be good for me in the future. It, it, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what it sounds like. And Conzo has said it a few times, and that that's kind of why I believe it because I don't think Conzo would say would say that and wouldn't mean it if he you know if you weren't was you know if he was t- talking on the record and everything. So, um, but besides that, maybe Pinson might dabble in the NBA waters, go through the workouts, but. I mean, I think I think he's listed at 170 pounds. I won't fly in the NBA, so he'll probably be back next year. One, one thing I want to add about to your point about Conzo, I've, I've actually talked to him about this aspect of when he speaks on things. He he, he will leave it vague if he thinks he can't say it with conviction. Mm-hmm. But he 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 absolutely believes the power of his word is is very important, and 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 that he shouldn't speak stronger than he feels about things yeah. and he'll he'll turn it a different direction he'll he'll do that but he wouldn't say that stuff if he didn't he didn't mean it i i, I really believe that yeah i mean from covering him for a season and just talking to him off the court he seems by all indications like a very thoughtful guy there was that viral video clip of about a week and a half ago that he was talking about you know his life and everything he's been through and everything like that so I do believe, you know, I'm not doubting you or anything. No, no, but, but, but you need to see it for yourself, yeah, too. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it's easy to, you could disagree, yeah. too. Yeah, just, so, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of where Conzo stands. Well, I'm glad to hear that you say what you did about Trey Jackson because he came in a little more ballyhooed than. Yeah, because he was the. Yeah, the guy, than, than Kobe yeah, Brown. Yeah. And Kobe's the one that had the good game at Arkansas, mm-hmm. has been, the I guess, the more impressive of those two. But I kind of like the idea of those two being around for yeah, another man. year or two. I, I think. I think there's some really nice upside with both of those players. Yeah, and the thing about Kobe that I kind of think was interesting was that right now he's a forward, six foot seven. That's a good, you know, that's a good wing, maybe you know, mm-hmm. small, smallerish forward. But Conzo actually mentioned a few weeks ago that he projects Kobe to be more of a guard, even, maybe even a point guard. Um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he'll develop that far, but he did show a little bit of handles. He had a nice fast break layup against Arkansas, so. And Trey, I think he when you speak athleticism of this team, you to look at Trey and Pinson. When you talk about projecting out and being like a solid four-year college player, I think you look at a Kobe Brown, who who you know he might develop into one of those playmakers one day. All right, let's uh, let's switch sports just as we wrap it up. You were um, reminding us that spring football at Missouri begins <laughs> in less than two weeks. Yeah, March seventh. March seventh, a Saturday, and uh, Eli Trinkwitz's first spring with the with the Tigers. We haven't talked to you since he wrapped up uh, his first recruiting class. Where'd that come yeah. in? What was the net, did, what was their ranking? I'll look it up as we try to guess at a number here. Yeah, so the ranking itself isn't going isn't going to be good just because of the sheer size. That's kind of one thing I don't like. Oh about yeah, yeah, sites. that's right. That's they right. they do like a cumulative thing instead of like a quality thing. So right. you could have you know twelve guys. You could have twelve four stars, but if you know another school brings in twenty one, you know 
21 mix like three four stars and a bunch of three stars then they're gonna have a they're gonna end up having a better recruiter ranking class but i think for all considerations drink was it a pretty solid job i mean you come in you know a few days before the early signing period you retain i believe it was 11 guys 10 guys who signed um and then and then you add guys and that ns rake straw video was if you're a fan i mean you're you're pumped up about that i don't know if you guys saw it but after he got that big signing from uh, the Dallas, Texas, the cornerback, um, Drinkwitz just went crazy, and then they caught it on video and everything. And then, that if you're a fan, I mean, you're you're looking at that and you're like, "This is my football coach." You know, you're buying in a little bit more. And it's just, I think it's those little things that Drinkwitz has done well so far. Um, I know he spoke to Tiger Club last Friday. Uh, fortunately, none of us were able to be there. I was traveling. I think all of us were traveling. We all traveled. All were. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think he's done the he's done the little things well. He's added a few talent. I think when you look at a guy like Rakestraw, he might contribute from day one, just because the cornerback position is kind of that's that's how it's shaping up. But yeah, I mean, solid first recruiting class. I don't. The thing with Drinkwitz is that you don't really know how he's gonna do, just because he has one year of head coaching experience. But so far, so good. It looks like, and then we'll see a little bit more in spring football. How about breaking down quickly the how, how quarterback depth chart right now? Um, Three names that uh, that everybody's familiar with: yeah. Sean Robinson. Um, uh, let's let's agree on pronunciation here. I meant to do this before <laughs> I we started. I believe it's Basilak. All right, let's go. Is it Basilak? And I want to do I want to do Basilak. Okay, I don't think I that's, think that's right. wrong. <laughs> Taylor Powell's the other one. Yeah, Taylor Powell's uh, the other I'm one. I'm thinking of John Basilak, the Cardinals GM. That's, what, <laughs> that's my problem. Um, yeah. So Sean should. Be the projected starter going at the spring ball. TCU transfer, uh, then, uh, dual threat guy. Yeah, dual threat guy. Another fun little wrinkle is that uh, Drunkus brought in Curtis Looper, who is Mizzou's running back coach, and he actually recruited Sean back when they were at TCU together. And uh, Looper was actually co-offense coordinator in seventeen eighteen when uh, Sean Robinson was a starting quarterback. Um, obviously, he transferred to Mizzou and Looper's over here. Um, Curtis spoke pretty, pretty, you know, pretty well of him. Uh, we we. The media had the chance to speak to the 10 assistants a couple of weeks ago. And obviously we, were, we asked Curtis about Sean and he, he had some pretty good things to say about him. Um, so I think for all intents and purposes, I think Sean is your guy right now. Taylor Powell might get some looks, I think. And then Connor, I'm just going to go with Connor. Let's do it on. for now because we'll, we'll, it's, <laughs> we'll get it. it's embarrassing that they don't know how to. We type um, it. We don't. We don't say it. Well, we do have to say it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, so Connor, obviously, he tore his ACL to Arkansas game. Right. Um, it, it, we're not going to get any player access, but we, we actually did get him at, at the Drinkwitz opening introductory presser for a little bit. He said that he's not going to be available for spring ball. I mean, I think that's a little unrealistic. Well, that, and that puts um, him behind, that really, puts him behind for, I mean, yeah. if he's not going to be available until fall camp, yeah. then I, I don't expect him, I mean, maybe to be part of the mix, but he's, yeah. he's going to start third, on the, at least third on the depth chart. Yeah, and maybe, maybe back up just because he did show some good things, and he was a pretty highly rated recruit. Um, but, yeah, he got, a, he got his feet well a little bit. He showed some good things in the Arkansas game. That one drive against Georgia there, Mizzou's most successful drive against right, Georgia with, yeah. with, with him at, uh, on their center and everything. So, and I, I do think it helps him, though, that everyone is learning a new system. Just because nobody has any clue what Drinkwitz is going to run. I mean, you can look at App State film, but at the same time, you're playing in a completely different conference with completely different talent than you. you know, with realistically, those who aren't your guys in terms of fit, so he might have to change it up a little bit. So I, I do think that helps in the quarterback situation, just kind of you know, zeroing it out for everyone. At the same time, it kind of sucks for Sean Robinson just because 
you spend a year learning a system and yeah. you know sitting you know scout scouting quarterback and you have to learn a whole other one. So I think there will be some kinks, but that's what spring football is for. I guess if there's any um, if there's any film to look at, it would be App State against South Carolina. They yeah, did beat yeah, the Gamecocks yeah, in so. addition to the Tar Heels last year. There's a little movement at wide receiver. Um, uh, they they lost uh, Cam Scott. Yes. And decided to leave, but they got the transfer, graduate yeah, from, transfer from Virginia Tech. Yeah, Damon Hazelton, he was an all-ACC guy. That's, I think, people weren't speaking enough about it, I feel like. That, that's a really solid that, get. That's, that's a, your that's number a one guy right get. there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's your number one guy from day one. You know, I mean, everyone's learning a new playbook anyway. That's, that's your number one guy, probably. Um, and then you can add, you know, and then they lost to Jonathan Nant, they lost Jonathan Johnson. I mean, without Hazelton, I think you're looking at a wide receiving core that's a little thin. Bear Bannister is probably... Your best guy, and he's and no disrespect to Barrett, I think he's a great football player, but he's more of a slot guy. You, you need somebody who's gonna slot and uh, not slot, but you know, line up out wide and be that number one guy. And I think that's Damon Hazelton. And then you have a few, and then they brought in a ton of wide receiver recruits. So you're gonna see a JJ Hester, maybe a Jay Macklin, Chris Abrams, Abrams Drain, who's from Alabama. Uh, those guys are probably gonna be figured to go into the mix. I think Hester, people are very excited about for good reason. You retain him, he's a four star guy from Oklahoma. So yeah, it's interesting because there's not much depth, but that Hazelton guy was big just 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 for the future prospects for them. Be interesting to get to know him a little bit better. Yeah, you know, yeah. it will be good. All right, we got we're gonna have a lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks with spring football starting and Missouri basketball playing better, fighting we'll for a postseason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They got to beat Vanderbilt in first. the most. They yeah. do have to beat Vanderbilt. Beat Vandy, and then all your dreams are in front of you. That's not some of your dreams. Some of your dreams. What's left of your dreams? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's a better way of putting it. <laughs> all right. So, Suichi, Vahe, thanks for stopping by. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. Shout out to our production staff of Randy Mason, Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Beth Welch. And Chris Fickett, appreciate Suichi Tirada and Vahe Gregorian stopping by the studio. Please leave us a review and a rating. And we'll be back on Wednesday with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Mm-hmm.